0: You can go ahead and have your seat. I just want to welcome you to Generations Church. If we haven't met yet, I am the lead pastor, Kyle Davies. And I just want to share our vision for a moment. We are a church. We are a community of everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus For generations to come. We are a community of everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together. Because of Jesus. For generations to come. I don't know about you. I come into this morning having needed a little bit of worship. Need a little bit of just refreshment in my soul. And I am thankful and I am grateful, whether online or in person, to be able to gather with people who can come together and just say, man, I'm a little bit tired, I'm a little bit weary, or maybe I had a great week and it was good, and I get to come here, whether online or in person, and just be able to offer up praise. But we get to do that together. No matter who we are, where we come from, what background, how our week was, we get to come and recognize that we are gathered together because of Jesus. For the purpose of generations to come, coming to know the name of the Lord and what He has done. So let me just pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. God, you are good and we are gathered here today whether in person or online, because we want to hear from you. God, we need to hear from you. God, as we look at our world, as we look at our lives, God, whether, whether good or bad, whether, whether we're weary or we're joyful, God, whether we're, we're tired or full of energy, God, we, we know that we come here just needing to hear from you. God, so wherever we find ourselves, speak to us. May the meditation of my heart and the words that come out of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through Acts chapter 5, verse 18. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And I'm going to narrate some of the story here in a minute but I'd invite you to turn that with me so there with me so that you know where we're going to spend our time. We are on the last week of our five-part series looking at our Generations Church's values. We have five values at Generations Church. So I just want to give a moment. We're going to have a little audience participation, whether here in the room or online. What are our Gen Church values? Can someone shout them out to me if you know what one of our values are? story over sin, give over get. What's, what's some other values that we have? Progress over perfection. Progress over perfection. There we go. A couple more. Send over stay. Give over get. Give over get. Over <laughs> we got spirit over self, the last one over here. There we go. Day, Damien got the one wrong that he preached on. <laughs> so it's a little good. so I, I, hope, I hope you jumped on and share those online. And, and if you're online, go ahead and say your favorite one. If you don't know our Gen Church values, go to our website, mygenerations.church. Go to the About page and look those up. We're going to hit our fifth and final value today give over get. Give over get, where it says we're looking to make a difference and the lives of others and our community through generous living rather than always wanting to receive more. So yes, today we're going to talk about generosity. Now I should have probably prefaced this first service, but I'm going to share it here. That that today my goal is not to guilt you nor really inspire you, and that may sound odd when I say this here in a second, to give to Generations Church. My goal this morning, as we talk about generosity, is to point you to Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we can't help but be generous. So if at some point, Kyle go, you you get a little fired up if if you know me around here. I may may seem a little bit flat today. And the the reason is because I don't want to use theatrics to convince you that you should give and give generously in all areas of your life. As as someone who is following Jesus, I want to see other people come to faith in Jesus, and I want to look to make a difference in their lives, and the, our community's life through generous living, rather than always wanting to receive more. So the way we use our values at Generations Church is it helps us recenter on Jesus. That's why you see they're they're almost non-traditional in a sense. That's why there's something over something. Because my goal is to help you when you're in that mundane Tuesday or you're exhausted from a long week on Thursday and Friday and you come up with a coworker or you're sitting at home on the, and just scrolling on the cell phone or you're watching the news Or maybe you're interacting with someone at the store that in that moment, that when we say, if you are a follower of Jesus, live the way of Jesus in your everyday life, you will in that moment know how to respond because we have equipped you with values that say this is the way in which you should live. This is a life lived that is shaped by Jesus. So our values are useful to help you remember the gospel The good news that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven, walked on earth, lived a perfect life, died the death that you deserve to die on the cross. He was crucified. He was buried and was raised three days later victoriously. And he ascended to heaven and is coming back. And that is good news. That Jesus... Loves us so much that he walked on earth, was crucified, was raised to life, and is coming back. So as we looked at, look at the value of give over get, as we look at generous living, there are two challenges that I see for us in our culture today as we seek to live out give over get. The first is this, that we live in a causal culture that we live in a culture that is filled with all kinds of different causes. Now, let me say this about the Pacific Northwest. I love that we are a causal culture here. I love that we are a generous culture. I mean, just even this week is Give More 24. If you've been looking on social, we've been around Southwest Washington for a while. There are all kinds of causes that you can give to this Thursday, September 24th. And I would encourage you to give to those causes. There's all kinds of good causes to give to. And that's one of the things I love about the Pacific Northwest. That if you talk to a business owner, that if you interact with someone on the street, usually there's somewhere that they volunteer. There's a nonprofit they donate to. There's a cause they are advocating for. And I love this. We want to affirm and celebrate that that is a good thing in our culture but it's also a challenge because the early Christians became known for their generosity and compassion in contrast to a wider culture of selfishness. So herein lies the challenge. In our contemporary Western culture, generosity is rewarded. We give tax breaks for generous donations. We get applauded on social media for giving generously, for, for being advocates. And again, that's a good thing But you see, the early church expanded in contrast to a culture of selfishness. So for us as believers, as we seek to live generously and live, give, over, get, we have to understand that we're going to come up with some sort of, we're going to come up with a challenge when we live in a causal culture, when that's already found in our world and in our community. Which leads us to the second challenge that many times, the reason this is so attractive and celebrated is because many people think of giving only in terms of money. And especially times like these, we look at our bank accounts and we know we don't have enough margin to give this or that, or or we feel stressed. And we think, well, because in a time of COVID, physical distancing, remote learning, and an overwhelming sense that we just don't have enough margin and time in our life, The easy option to feel good about ourselves is just to throw a couple bucks someone's way see if we return to the value it's generous living generous living goes beyond just donating money we can be generous with our time our skills and our advocacy in fact we did a whole series on this last february and i know that seems like an eternity ago It feels like forever ago, February, you're like, man, is that even in this year? Like, it's just, we've all been kind of lost in just that chaos and, and just so much going on. But what we see is that generous living, especially for us at Generations Church, goes way beyond, goes way beyond just donating money. And so once again, the challenge becomes clear. In the midst of times like these, there may be an overwhelming sense that we just don't have the time to live generously. We'll leave that to someone else. But we must ask the question: how does give over get lifestyle help others encounter Jesus today? And that's where we find ourselves in our story today in Acts chapter 4. The writer of this passage of scripture, his name is Luke, and what Luke does is he writes down all that Jesus said and did, and specifically we see that in the account of Jesus' life in Luke, but he continues that, and he still writes that at the beginning of the the book of Acts. He says, this is all that Jesus said and did, but it's through his people who are trying to live God's will and God's way, try to follow Jesus in every aspect of their life. And what Luke does is chronicle how God's goal was to fill the promise of rescuing and renewing his people. And it continues through the church. So as people responded to the good news of Jesus being the one true king, people began to approach life in a radically different way. Even today, we're faced with that message. As we respond to Jesus, the way we approach life should be different. And so these people, as they were responding to the good news of Jesus, specifically in the city of uh, Jerusalem, man, I still, I, I keep butchering that. Maybe, maybe you guys don't hear it. It's like, I feel like I, I psych myself out every time I say that. So you can laugh at me every time I say that. I give you permission for that. But these people, would, they would come to this city and respond to Jesus. And they weren't from there. So the setting goes as they had to learn how to depend on each other. And they formed these new faith families. People would sell their stuff and provide for each other. They ate meals together. They learned together. And it wasn't happening the way it was supposed to prior to this early church. And It was happening through a new faith family. And so here's the challenge as this family was coming together. In contrast to the wider society as they were depending, they were living generously. You even see and at the end of Acts chapter 4 someone selling a field and giving it to the early church and say, let's meet tangible needs. And this was highlighted and shared. But then comes the reality that you see that being God's temple, being the place where God's spirit dwells, being the church is serious business. Being a people who live the way of Jesus Matters It's in this setting of selling, of generosity, of care and compassion, of family, just like this, which is why I, I just frankly, I love kids being in our service. I know some of you might maybe find it distraction, but, but that's why we exist. is for generations to come to know the name of the Lord, to, to be together, to learn and to model what it looks like to follow the way of Jesus together where we don't have to have it all perfect, all backgrounds, but we know there's going to be some kinks. We know there's going to be some some challenges. But together, we expect God to show up through his people. And so in the midst of this generosity, in the midst of this care and compassion, two people show up and pretend to be generous rather than respond to God's presence. They try to do exactly what we see this guy named Barnabas do in the end of Acts chapter 4, yet with an entirely different motive. And Peter, the apostle, through the sensing of God's Spirit, calls this out of this couple named Ananias Ananias and Sapphira. And this is what Peter says to them when they try to mimic what Barnabas had just done, the selling of a field and giving to this group of people to meet tangible needs. Ananias, Peter asked, this is in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. Let me say that again. You have lied. You have not lied to people, but to God. In this moment, in this setting, this culture of generosity, you have two people who show up and do exactly the same, almost the exact same mechanics as Barnabas. But yet they withhold something. And so then in that moment, Ananias is then struck dead because being God's people is serious business. And we'll get to that kind of here in a second. And then the same thing happens when Sapphira comes in. She lies about the proceeds and what it meant to be generous. And all there was a great fear that came over people. Now here's what the message of this story is not here this morning. I'm not looking at you and saying you better go sell a piece of land and give it to the church and not hold back one cent. That's That's not the generosity that I'm talking about this morning. What we see... The difference between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira comes back to the motive, the reason in which they give. See, these new communities were helping people encounter God's generosity and healing presence. And the value give over gets steps into a world that says, yeah, you can find that elsewhere, or yeah, you can do that there, by helping us remember the reason why we give. See, true generosity expects nothing in return. True generosity wants a response. However, true generosity never demands one. It never says, you owe me this because I have given. True generosity gives freely, expecting nothing in return. And you see that in our value. We, we want to live generos- generously, looking to make a difference in the lives of others. And we're not wanting to receive more. We're not looking to receive something back. We're simply giving because of Jesus. See, it's give over get, not give to get. Generous living is a response to Jesus. Faux generosity, fake generosity attempts to cover a bill. So it's the difference between a response and almost a receipt. See, a receipt almost demands something in return. So as you look into your own heart, even as I talk about what it looks like for you to give generously, for you to look look at your own life and say, how am I looking to make a difference in the lives of others? Am I someone who is living generously? As you look into your own heart, what are some of the reasons that you might give that actually aren't truly generous at all, but are actually fake generosity. Let me list off a few for us this morning. You find that you give because you want to feel loved, liked, or admired. And you feel that enough giving will reduce the shame that you feel about your past or your present mistakes. That enough giving will result in you receiving praise or attention so you give for that applause you give for that approval and you even translate that not just into the church and for the approval of others but you think if you do that if you give then god will stand up and applaud that is fake generosity maybe you give because you're trying to come up cover up some insecurity or past mistake and enough giving will ease that feeling of guilt It'll pay the bill. You look at your life, and you look at all the past wrongs and mistakes and things you have done, and you say, well, maybe if I just give, I'll drop a tithe or offering in that box. You know, that'll cover it. It'll pay the bill that's owed to God, and guess what? That's not what happens. The only way that bill that is owed to God is paid is through the love and the sacrifice of Jesus. Stop trying to pay God with your tithes and your offerings. He doesn't want your tithes and offerings without first. He wants your heart. He wants a relationship. He wants you. So some of the reason we give is because you think no one else is capable. So you have to do something. No one else is going to step up to the plate. And so enough giving will protect others from the consequences of sin in this world. And you're fearful for them. So so you give out of control or or, or gaining power to ensure something happens. Maybe you give because you, you feel like you're supposed to. That enough giving will fulfill the obligation and your giving meets the standard where other areas of your life fall short. You know you've got some sin that's not been brought to light. You know you've got some past mistake that you've never confessed. You've got some grievance against someone else and you think, well, maybe if I just give, donate time, energy, or money, maybe it'll make up for where I fall short. And even some of us, we know we willingly fall short and we attempt to give, to appease that standard. You may even apologize excessively if you're not able to give the way you would like to. And you do that as a way to say, assuage the guilt or the shame, or the fear that you have. And see, when when we display some of these traits, when when we give out of this way, when when we profusely apologize, when we give for praise or attention, or or, or give for a means of control, what we find out is this life of giving is never sustainable. We can never give enough. And what, what we need to realize is that we give because Jesus gave. And when we recognize that the source of our giving comes from Jesus, actually our giving will become sustainable. We'll, we'll be able to give in the off seasons. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it, it's taken some great tra- tragedy. It, take, it takes a, a specific day in our culture in Southwest Washington for give more 24 to try to generate, to get people excited to give. It takes... It wildfires for people to respond with giving time, energy, clothing, money to meet a need. And we want to celebrate, and we say thank you for people to do that. Our church is incredibly generous here. You can look over here, and you can see that we got an orange bucket that we're raising dollars for, for generosity feeds. We've got change over here for uh, change for change for Options 360. We, we are an incredibly generous church. But we know it goes beyond just set days or set moments. It goes when there's no apparent national crisis or need. We're able to give in all seasons because of Jesus. And when we recognize that it's because of Jesus and we respond to who he is and what he has done, our generosity will be sustainable. That it won't take a tragedy for us to be mobilized. That we are looking for ways to serve others each and every day on the Tuesdays, on the Wednesdays, on the Fridays. So how does a give-over-get lifestyle help people encounter Jesus when we have things in our culture that say give? When we affirm the generosity, we give. A give-over-get lifestyle helps people encounter Jesus when everyone else is giving only part of what they have because that's all you can see, and you'll be giving more because of the source that sustains your giving isn't your self, your security, or your satisfaction. Your giving comes from a Savior. It comes up in the why. Why do you give? Why do you believe in this? Why, why Why are you so generous? Why are you looking to meet this need? And we say, it's because of Jesus. And even when we feel stretched thin, when we feel like we have no margin, we're not tapping into the source of self we're not tapping into the abundance we may or may not have. We're not tapping into the security of our life. We're tapping into Jesus. And from that well, we are able to give. And what's a beautiful thing is when we may not feel like we have much and we still give, God shows up. And He works in powerful ways. And so... As we feel these pressures, as we wonder how does this give-over-get lifestyle show up in our life and how do, how, how do we see more of this in our life, let me suggest four shifts to help us out with that. The first shift is this, that we shift from self to steward. See, I think sometimes we hold on to what we give and we don't give because we think what we have is what we have earned. It's our right. It's mine rather than having the perspective that everything we have is God's and we simply manage it for Him. See, that, that's what I think happened to Ananias and Sapphira. As they looked at that piece of property and said it was mine, it, it, it was our right, it, it was ours, so we can do it however we want. And they wanted to pretend to give generously rather than seeing themselves as a steward of God's provision. And when we see our, ourselves as see ourselves as stewards. When he asks us to give, we can give freely and generously and we can trust that he will replenish. The second shift we have to make is we have to stop the comparison. Ananias and Sapphira likely tried to give what they saw Barnabas give. They compared. They looked at someone else's generosity and say, oh, that's the standard? I'm going to try and match that. Thus, they took their cue from someone else rather than responding to God. See, generosity is never about the amount. It's always about the motive. Whether you have much or you have little, are you being obedient? When that small still whisper in your heart says, give, do you withhold some of it because you are fearful? you look and you see, oh, someone else gave less, so I can give less because that's the standard. We've got, to sh- we've got to stop the comparison when it comes to generosity and start being responsive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And how we stifle the leading of the Holy Spirit is when we lie and we deceive and we're not honest about where, what our motive is and what our finances are. So the third shift that we have to make is we have to tell the truth. When we lie about where our hearts and our finances are, we are not lying. You're not lying to me. At the end of the day, you're not lying to me. You're lying to God. you're you're, You're trying to pretend as if God can't see who you are, what you have, your time, skills, gifting, and ability, your finances. God is aware of who you are and what you have. So, we got to start by telling the truth and just being honest with God, laying it all out about our debts, about what we owe, about what we have. And what, the illustration that I always come back to, kind of at this point, when we combine the idea of shifting from self to steward, when we stop the comparison, we begin to tell the truth, we'll actually be able to receive. Here, do do this with me. Stick your hands out, even those of you who are at home and online. If I were to go over, I should have grabbed some change. If I was to grab some change and try to pour this into your hand, would you be able to receive and grab that change with your fists closed? No. It it would bounce off. You, you, You would be unable to receive anything. But when we start being honest about our finances... When we stop the comparison when we move move from self to steward and we hold all that we have and all that we are loosely at our fingertips and let go of the control let go of the fear let go of trying to appease god or or pay that bill we're able to hold our hands openly and guess what if if you hold your hands out and you hold everything loosely at your fingertips if i were to come over and pour some change into your hands do you think you'd be able to grab some then absolutely Absolutely. See, when we begin to make some of these shifts, we're now open to receive. We're now open to receive. But there's a fourth and final shift that will challenge us as we seek to, seek to do that with our own lives. The fourth and final shift is that we have to fear God. Now, we live in a feel-good age. The idea of fearing God which is found throughout the Bible, seems outdated. Some of you, I said that, fear God. You're like, okay, I was not expecting that. Like that, that we, should, we should fear God. But fear means that we understand who he is and what he has done, so we do our best to match our character and priorities to him. If we look in the story, great fear swept over the church when Ananias and Sapphira didn't tell the truth. When they saw themselves as the source of their generosity, and they compared themselves, because they took their eyes off God and put it on others. See, to fear God means to put our eyes on Him, to recognize who He is, what He's a, He is a generous and loving God, and He has proved that to us in Jesus. So we too are to be generous and loving people. We want to match our character and priorities to Him. So God takes seriously. When he looks at our church, when he looks at generations and says, are you living up to this value? Are, are, Are you a give over, get church? Are you withholding something for yourselves? Which is why we try to highlight causes. Which is why we try to advocate for others, other church plants, other ministries. Because it's not just give over, get for us in terms of our finances. It is give over, get in terms of our space. Give over, get in terms of our 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 skills and abilities, and when we fear God and understand that we are to pattern our lives after Him, we're able to then check our motives. So in this moment, as I've talked about give over, get, as I've talked about generosity, I don't know what God is stirring in your heart. Maybe you feel like like you have no margin. Maybe you feel like like I've got no room. And and you start to try to justify, you try to excuse, you're trying to size everything up, and you feel that pressure to almost justify with God something that's not truthful. In this moment, whether you want to give or you're reluctant to give, let me say this, that you will never truly be able to give until you first receive. You will never truly be able to give out of a response to Jesus until you first receive. Today, wherever you are, as as we close our value series and as the next two weeks, we're going to look at our vision. As I challenge you to say, what is God calling you to give? How is he calling you to respond? What area of your life has remained off limits that you need to begin to look to make a difference in the lives of others through that generous living? Which shift do you need to tackle At the end of the day, you will not be able to make that shift until you first receive. So metaphorically, the conduct of your heart in this moment will you go from closed off and begin to open it and say, God, this is what I have. This is who I am. Use me. Help me respond to your Holy Spirit. Help me to live a generous life when I feel like I have nothing to give. And in that moment, in this moment, receive the blessings that God has for you. Receive the grace that he has poured out for you in Jesus. That you are enough. You have enough. Because he gave you Jesus. So as we go into our time of response, John's going to facilitate us going through a time of giving, going through a time of communion, and even a time of prayer. And in this moment, with some of that self-internal talk about uh, what it means to, to give over, get for you, what shift you need to make, if you feel like you're closing off to God right now, let me just ask, And if I could even just plea with you to first receive Jesus, say yes to him, and out of saying yes to him, then be generous. Respond to his leading and watch him work. Because many people will come to know the name of the Lord and what he has done through a people who simply respond to Jesus, who look to make a difference in the lives of others, and do so for generations to come, let me pray. God, right now, as, as, as I, I just sense in my own spirit that just the, this self internal talk about what it means to respond to you, God, speak to us, direct us in this moment. Help us to not shut off your voice throughout the week. Help us to not just be responsive to you in this moment, but help us to be responsive to you throughout the week. Help us to encourage one another to be a place that lives and displays generosity, not because we're trying to earn the approval of our culture, not because we're trying to do the same, but because we're simply responding to you. Help us to be because of Jesus' people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.